Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Some thoughts I'm having today, um, just kind of along the lines of, let's just get right to it, right? I'm so tired of always saying the same things at these introductions to these, so I'm just going to start talking and value your time and mine both. Just really thinking through some things. You know, we all have the world in in the secular world, they would call them vices. We would call them perhaps just old patterns of thought, old habits of thought, the old man nature. And as I often say on here, and if you were ever in my life, and uh, heard me talk with regularity, I always, with, with great frequency, reference the way of Cain. The pattern of Cain. The spirit of Cain. Which really is summarized by just the way of man. Um, we know Cain was the first offspring of fallen man. Cain himself was the very first in the lineage of fallen man. As far as we know, he was Adam and Eve's first son, the eldest. He was the he was conceived, he was the first human being conceived in sin, right? As far as not conceived in sin, like not out of wedlock, like not Adam and Eve in that sense, but like he was the offspring of fallen man. No one up until that point had ever been birthed in human form because we know Adam was formed out of the ground and Eve was formed out of Adam. And they came together and obviously the offspring of Adam and Eve, the uncreated as far as in a natural birthing sense, they were created by God himself. God's very hands formed and fashioned Adam, and he breathed his breath of life into Adam. Eve was taken from Adam, a part of him created in his likeness, to be the helpmate of Adam. And so then we have the first offspring of mankind, Cain. Cain, of course, rises up to kill his brother in anger and in jealousy, in a competitive spirit that sought to eradicate the threat that his younger brother who brought the pleasing sacrifice unto God, exposed. The the pleasing offering of his younger brother infuriated him because it highlighted his lack. It highlighted what we're told in the scriptures was a heart issue. It's not just that Cain's sacrifice was not pleasing to God because we know in the account in Genesis, that God told Cain, you know, we see it alluded to later in the scriptures, that Cain could have turned his heart 
back to God. He, he had the opportunity to turn back to God and, and turn his heart towards God. A very early Old Testament beginning of all mankind pattern of repentance. I mean, that was extended to Cain. But in his hard-heartedness, in his heart-of-stone condition, he rose up and took the life of his younger brother. Spilled blood on the earth for the first time. And there's so much within that reality that permeates our, our culture today. Just the nature of man. And then even me today, myself, and perhaps you. I'm not going to say it absolutely isn't you. I don't know you. But I would say it's very likely because this is the, a pattern of humanity. And even for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who have been recreated and are now new creations, who now have been given the ability to be moved and swayed and controlled by the Holy Spirit and by the mind of Christ when we do choose to put on the mind of Christ and put off our former ways of thinking. And as we put off the old man ways, we have been given the right, the access, the ability to now put off the way of Cain and put on the spirit of Christ, of humility and, and laying ourselves down for a brother, for loving our neighbors as ourself. That is something that is not automatic, though, friends. If you're in Jesus, that's not just something that is imputed to you. It is a, it is a spiritual endeavor, an exchange, the exchange life reality of moving from death to life and putting off the former self. We have been made new, but the rest of our days is, a, is an endeavor to put off the old man and to put on the new. The sanctification work is an ongoing work because it will continue to rear its ugly head in our lives I believe until we breathe our last. And if somebody believes that you never ever have to wrestle with your old man, natural man tendencies, I, I feel a real check with that. Because I've heard men say that before, and I have seen evidence in their life of the natural flesh man. Men who with great confidence say, hey, that's old news. I don't, I don't walk according to that. I'm a man I'm a spiritual man who's walking the Christ life. Well, yes, amen. But I've never met a man completely free of the old man nature in every facet of his life and not swayed in any way. And interestingly enough, generally the way who the men who are the most confident in God and even rightly really in many, many areas free 
from the fear of man and free from sin, like blatant sin. They've mastered the living sacrifice lifestyle. But yet, generally these men, generally, not always, but generally these men who have really mastered their flesh and like, I mean, can we not say that we have to believe in faith that we can, in fact, get to a place where we're not overruled by our sin nature? Our our Christianity, our salvation is not just to try to not be sinful men. That is not our goal. Our goal isn't isn't just to be free from the strongholds of sin. That's the elementary path. That's the beginning pathway into a mature man. Because only when we have done that and we're on the other side of that do we begin to move into living, pleasing, and acceptable and holy unto God. And so, like, the the never-ending salvation sin message although necessary, should not be necessary for me every single morning, right? I mean, I'm to be walking free of that unto what being being freed from that prepares me for. I am free from sin, the strongholds and influence of the sin nature guiding my every move and thought, It's no longer the engine underneath my hood to move me and motivate me. But it is still always, it's in the back seat desiring to have me. And that's, I guess, what I'm saying. And I I don't even know if I got to my point just immediately, just a moment ago, about these men that I have known. But because it's very applicable to what I'm thinking on this morning is most of those men who walk free from the fear of man, who speak boldly, who who have a an awesome living testimony and you know on and on and on are often very arrogant and very very full of themselves and even you know well it's, this isn't about me brother this is about the work of God in my life well I don't know about that a lot of times with my own personal experience. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be so free of of so many things I have been made free from and then become controlled by the pride of who I'm not and who I now am. You know, where where I am the the end all of a godly man. Like... Of course, my life, I desire my life to be emulated. I desire to have that same reality that Paul said in a rightful place of like, you can follow me, brother. Look at my life and and copy me. Yes, I want that. I desire that to be true from a clear, right place, but I never, ever, ever want that to be from a place of... I don't know, of just self-exaltation because I'm so confident that I like 
I, I make it something that that clear conscience place was never meant to be. I don't ever want to be controlled by that puffed up man. Nature. Because, you know, we would never... I don't know. I don't want to go down that track. I guess I just want to find that place of tension in between. Of where I'm no longer ever a man of under condemnation and guilt and I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up. I'm always a disappointment to the Lord. I still have sin in my life. I still have poor thinking. Oh no, I'll never be. I'm surely not going to be that man. But nor do I want to be that man that like has everything in my mind perfected and like, yeah, that's right. Look at that. You know, we've all known men like that. Maybe full of great wisdom and revelation and, and like the unction of God, the oracles of God come out of their mouth, but there's, there's still that taint in there of like, yeah, and they know it. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. And so to get back to my original point, the, the way of Cain, the spirit of Cain, that's how that plays out to me. I listened to a message a few days back about, um, you know, Jesus speaking in great clarity on matters. And, you know, the just the understanding that Jesus did not come to eradicate, abolish, destroy the law. He didn't come to just burn it up and say, hey, be free now. Get in me and you're free. He didn't do that, and we know that, but so many people live in that manner. And so he came to fulfill, right? He came to accomplish, fulfill, perfect, and personify the law in bodily form so that we can now enter into the covenant of God through himself, through the Son, the mediator between ourselves and God, perfectly restored, as I shared the other day about the courtroom example. He has become our propitiation, our hilasterian. He has made a way for us. But that way of Cain constantly wants to assault that freedom by exalting ourselves, whether molecular in extent or full-on hatred of our brother. And Jesus, as I was saying, he alluded to that when he was talking about the law. He said, what? You know it's written, don't murder. You know the law. Don't murder. Well, of course, we even today in 2019, well, yeah, don't murder. Goodness, I would never murder. That's the, that's the worst, right? That's the worst sin, taking the life of another. But this message I listened to the other day just really clearly explained that way of thinking according to the lines of what Jesus said was the heart issue. You know, you know the law. You know it says don't murder. But I tell you what? I tell you that if you harbor that against your brother, if you 
If you have that within your heart, it is the same. It is as if, okay? So anything in us, this way, the way this man explained it, and I really like it, if there's any way in us that like looks at any other and says, you know what? This is basically the way he explained it, and I'll try to reiterate it because it was very clear to me. If there's any way in us that looks at any other human being with a, an attitude that says, you know what? I just don't like you, which means what? You just really rub me. My life would be better if you weren't in it, right? You, you kind of get all up in my plans. You throw me off. You slow me down. You distract me. You rub me wrong. I don't like you. Okay? Are we not, in fact, saying in our heart we wish that person didn't exist? Why? You, you just bother me. He even used the example of, like, traffic. He lives in a city, and he, he talked about, like, when somebody cuts him off. Like, how dare you do that? How dare you slow me down and get in my way, right? Offense. Somebody does something to me that, you know what? Hey, I don't like that. I wish you weren't around. I wish you weren't in traffic today. I wish you weren't in my life if it's in that case. You just kind of irritate me. I wish you didn't exist. Can we not say that Jesus was trying to pinpoint that so precisely to say that in our heart is the same as the way of Cain, which says, you know what? My life will be better if I remove you from it. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to eradicate you from my life. I don't like you. And that's what Cain instituted in the earth with the spilling of the blood of his brother. And I can already tell most people this would not land. They would say, oh man, Joel, you are really stretching things here. So if somebody pulls out in in front of me in traffic and I curse at them and say, man, you idiot, You're telling me that there's murder in my heart? Maybe. Maybe there is. And this man that I'm referencing three, four times now, he talks about this word raka, which Jesus references. If you call a man raka, you're calling him a fool, an idiot. You're calling him a name of saying, you know what, you don't deserve to be in my life. You don't deserve to exist like me, you idiot. Like, we don't have our children say that word and like, we don't use that word. And I'm beginning to understand now why. You know, now even more so times 10. All right, we're not, that word's never in our vocabulary in any circumstance, ever. Because I'm not going to, and neither are our children, going to exalt themselves over another in such a manner. I mean, we have children who get together, of course, in our fellowship, and they play, and I'm the guy, like, I'm the bad guy. Uh, Put me on, 
recess duty every time because, like, that's fine. That's I gravitate towards that. I don't understand it. That's just part of my role, I guess. I don't know. And I just watch our children play. And for the most part, they're all jockeying for the one, not everyone, but the common theme is like, hey, I, um, I'm the trainer, you're the horse. Hey, I'm the coach, you're the football player. Hey, I'm the mama, and uh, you're the baby. I mean, that's the constant theme, right? I mean, I'm constantly saying, children, stop bossing everyone around. Stop dictating what everyone will do according to your will. And I know it comes from the older ones down, and it comes from sibling dynamics and all those types of things. I get the reason why it's in place, but can we see them and then look at, look at ourselves as well and say, what nature of man is it in us that desires to be the one? To be the one. Now, I, I realize there are people who are very passive. There are people who don't want that responsibility, and they would rather be told what to do, and that's a whole nother issue. But there is still, even within those, that drive that is completely carnal and natural. The nature of man is still in there to be somebody. Even if you're passive and just want told what to do. Or if you're someone who is more dominant in nature. In every man there is that, that, that craving that wants a foothold in our thinking that says, hey, what about you? What about you? What about what you have to say? What about what you can add? What about your place? And I believe that's part of what Jesus was alluding to about, okay, so you don't murder someone, so you're not taking someone out to the field and slitting their throat, but what are you doing in your heart towards any other man, and especially towards a brother? And so I just really want to eradicate from my life any tendency, any hints of things in me that want to exalt myself or insert myself. Now that becomes hard when we talk about the functions that God has us in. When we start talking about the purposes we have within a fellowship of believers because there are responsibilities. There are times to insert and assert oneself. It's necessary. In gatherings, in teaching moments, in prayer, there are times when I know that I need to speak. I need to say something. I need to do something. It's an absolute necessity. But it has got to be done under the Spirit of Christ in humility and submission unto one another. That even in the functions of the church, capital C, we must 
find the place of being absolutely sure to the best of our ability that what is fueling our assertion is the Spirit, right? If I feel like I need to talk for an hour, two hours, three hours, I need to make sure that it is the oracles of God being stirred in me by the unction of the Spirit to bring that out, to say something about any matter, to correct a child should it not be mine, to correct my own son, to admonish my wife, to wash her with the water of the Word, to not shrink back in timidity towards a brother. We must have the heart that Jesus illuminated in the Scriptures that is not guided by that spirit and way of Cain. And I'm convinced only the Spirit of God can do that in a man. I'm convinced. There's no way I can do this aside from literally walking in the spirit of holiness, being a man who's defined by the holiness of spirit, directing my thinking. There's no way to do that in a constant maturity where that becomes my pattern. I might be able to do that in measure, on occasion, in certain circumstances, for a limited amount of time, But even if I can do it, it is of no use if I do it according to and out of my own ability. It must be sourced in the Spirit of God. It must be sourced in the Spirit of Christ Jesus who served all mankind while executing and walking in dominion to perfection while housed in a body of flesh on the earth in the form of man. So may that be our heart's condition today. As you think on matters of people that are in your life, that either you are influenced by or you influence yourself, places of authority you may have, places of submission you may have, towards a brother, towards a neighbor? Do we not have endless opportunities to walk in this way that Jesus spoke of, free from the influence of the way of Cain? And if we don't have opportunity to do that, then we better place ourselves within some context for that to happen. Because otherwise, we're going to die alone and go to our graves never being sanctified and literally changed on this side of eternity via the only way it can come, which is by being rubbed and and affected by another human being. That's why the body of Christ is so lacking. There's no iron sharpening iron in the body of Christ at large. Mainstream Christianity is not living in the principle of iron sharpening iron. We think that that just takes place as you share your quiet time and I share mine. No. 
that scripture is not even applicable to that type of outplay of Christian brotherhood interaction. Iron sharpening iron, okay? Do we really envision what that looks like and what takes place when that, in fact, happens? Is that just a little sitting and folding chairs or on couches and just sharing what scriptures we all read this week? No. It is a much more intense process to be found. So if you don't have that, I would just ask the question, how are you being sharpened? How are you being changed? If we're never in a circumstance where another brother looks at me and says something to me that I have to yield in submission to, how in the world can I ever expect myself to submit rightly in the same manner in greater measure to a holy God? And am I really submitted wholly and surrendered to God if I am not right in the same vein of that submission yielded in submission to any other brother? How will I know that? As I often reference, how will my son ever know how to submit his will to a holy God the eternal Father God, Yahweh, if I don't train him of the necessity of him doing that to me. Am I not? Are we not all the models and the practicing examples ongoing in our lives relationally so that we can rightly relate to our God? I would say yes. I would say that's why the body is orchestrated the way it is. As a body. God could have used an innumerable amount of things to demonstrate His people and the function of Himself on the earth. But He chose a body. And then Christ Jesus came in the form of a man to rightly come in and be able to be seated as the preeminent head over the body. And so just as my entire body functions in perfect unison with itself, if its members functioning together, creating the whole under the headship of my brain, the guidance of my brain, my brain says... Lift your left finger, your pinky finger, boom, there it is. Why? The unity of my body executes the word of the head. And brothers, we've got to find this. We've got to know this. I've probably only got 40 years left of my natural days. At best... I want to know this and see this reality before I breathe my last. And I believe I can if I continue to give myself to it. Free from the 
swaying ways and lure of the way of Cain, the spirit of Cain. I want to see it for what it is. I want to respond to it in the way that Jesus instructed and say, hey, don't just stop because you'd have, you would never lift a blade up to your brother's neck. This is about an unseen heart issue. I want to be that man that continually gives myself to saying, Lord, every single time that comes in me, Lord, take it out. I present it to you. Please extract this from my life. I cannot be this man for the rest of my days and be found incrementally pleasing you, changing into your likeness more and more with this remaining in this magnitude in me. So may we pursue these things. May we look at them as they're an enemy that we've got to run out of the city. We've got to get them out. Eradicate them from our lives and not tolerate them on any level at all. So that's my prayer for myself today. For our fellowship, for my household, and for you. That the body of Christ would learn to be free but learn to be free unto attaining a mature man who's guided by the Spirit of God and not by the ways of Cain, the way of man, the Adamic nature. Amen.